Breathing in diesel exhaust fumes is like walking into a fire without a mask. Over time, those toxins lead to cancer. Protect yourself with MagnaGrip, the easiest, most reliable exhaust removal system that features a true 100% seal to eliminate diesel exhaust fumes. To get free grant assistance, visit MagnaGrip.com. This podcast is brought to you by Flex 7 from Tenkata Protective Fabrics. Like a trusted turnout jacket you've had for years, Flex 7 Outer Shell Fabric delivers a perfectly broken-in feel on the very first wear. Flexible, comfortable, and powered with the strength of Enforce technology, Flex 7 Outer Shell Fabric is made to move. To learn more, visit tenkatafabrics.com slash flex7. Flex 7, powered by Enforce technology, only from Tenkata Protective Fabrics. All right, welcome to the new formatted First Dude Battalion Chief with Fire Engineering's Blog Talk Radio. And I think this is going to be a video as well as on the Blog Talk. So tonight I have two really great guests, Tony Tony Carroll from Washington, D.C., who's been with me before. And I have Eric. I, I know you have a nickname, but I don't want to offend you. So I'll just say <laughs> Eric Petaway uh, from Boston. And uh, two great cities, two great fire departments. And uh, I'm really excited to have you guys here because I spoke with the – the people at Fire Engineering, and I said, you know, I was out at FDIC, and I said, I really want to just get this show back to the back to the roots, you know, back to the first two battalion chief, and I want to get some really great battalion chiefs on the show. And I saw, I met Tony through uh, a little drill that we were doing with uh, Phil Jose. <clears throat> we would get together and we do some fire stuff, and then I was stumbling through YouTube, and I came across uh, Eric's videos, and I was like, really. Uh, Really amazed uh, how much we, we have in common. So anyway, why don't you guys introduce yourself, Tony? You introduce yourself first. Give you a little background and then um, Eric. Uh, yeah, Tony Carroll. Um, as you as you mentioned, um, I was a battalion chief in Washington D.C. Um, hindsight's twenty twenty, right? Um, and uh, recently, uh, it's been two years now. I have uh, retired and went to um, a small small department. Uh, we're going to be 80 people here soon in the middle of Virginia, where uh, now I'm a I'm the deputy chief operations. I did come here as a as a shift supervisor, so I got to got to run the streets. Um, I, I would say that um, the best the best job I think I might have had at D.C. I don't know because I, I was a lieutenant on a rescue squad, heavy rescue for like six years. But the battalion chief, there was a lot of um, satisfaction with the battalion chief in uh, like watching your guys work. So it, maybe that'll help with the segue for the show or something. <laughs> Hi, Eric Petaway, Boston Fire, 34 years. Uh, I've been a district chief for 20. Um, I used to say, I, I used to want to run the job and then I spent some time in headquarters and that like totally killed that idea. But to me personally, and, and I, I'm sure you guys might feel similar, that first alarm is where the job's at. I, I don't know if I how to explain it. Like um, first two engine truck, first chief. To me, that's where the job's at. And, you know, people rise to their level of competence, you know. So maybe this is mine. <laughs> Yeah, well, I've heard a lot of great things about you, Eric. Uh, from uh, thank you. Um, as you know, I'm I'm pretty good friends with Steve Schaefer. So uh, yeah, yeah. Anyway, lot lots of good stuff. So you know, we were talking little pregame stuff, and uh, you know, Eric was talking about mentoring and stuff. So maybe we could just kind of roll into that, start in the beginning. And uh, <clears throat> you mentioned like you've been a chief for 20 years. I'm very impressed with that because um, I did the math, and you know, you got promoted when you had about 14. I have 15 years as a chief. I got 37 years on a job. I'm going to be promoted to deputy chief very, very soon. But you're right about the battalion chief job. I think the battalion chief is makes the most impact, you know, getting ahead things. But you said something about 
<clears throat> no one mentoring you. And uh, I, I always liked when I was a captain, when I would be the acting battalion chief, because I felt like it was a freebie. Because if I F up, yeah, yeah, um, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah, 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 yeah. Nobody, you know, I'm a captain, but uh, I, I, I really, um, I used that as an opportunity to, you know, like learn. And I, and I took it as a kind of a, kind of a compliment from some of the chiefs because what would happen when you're an acting battalion chief, as soon as the real chief comes in, you're supposed to go up and become the fire sector, you know, yeah, and a lot yeah. of times the chiefs would say, Oh, Sheridan. Okay. And they would just walk right past me and go up to the fire floor, you know? And, uh, <clears throat> I liked, I really liked that. I felt, um, that I was able, you know, I got promoted when I had about 22 years on a job and, um, I too, Tony, I was in the squad and I worked in socks. So, I got a lot of exposure because being in those companies, you know, I watched all these great chiefs and, and Eric talks a lot about that in some of his videos about the old timers. You know, uh, I got broken in by the guys that all went through the war years down in 17 truck. And uh, some of those chiefs were just like, you always felt safe. And I think that's what, I think that's what I think this show should be about because I think the, the firefighters, when they show up and they see like a guy like you in front of the building or Tony, like they, they know it's going to be okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, I always yeah, felt that yeah. way when we had a guy like Tom Kennedy, uh, Nick Visconti, you know, Kilker, all these guys, you know, when you saw them, you pull up and you, you're reporting in and you see them and you just saw that, that experience, you know, and you're like, this is going to be okay. You know? And uh, I think that's, I think that's what being a chief is all about. Like sometimes guys like to chirp, you know, and they'll be like, what do you do, Chief? You don't do nothing. Yeah, I have the weight of everybody on my shoulders, right? You know, yeah, 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 yeah. what's happening is like, is like your life is in my hands, you know, and I have to live with myself, you know. So they don't, like my friend Buckeye says, you know, he says they don't pay us for what we do, but it's what we know in our experience, you know, and making the right decisions. But as far as the mentoring thing, um, so how did you how did you make yourself comfortable, Eric? I mean, what was... Uh, <coughs> Um, I've always been a little bit spocky, as we saw, we call here, you guys call it buffing. Yeah. Um, yep. although it's funny how you, you hide it. I don't know why, but so I, I feel blessed that the guys who taught me were on when it was, you know, the busy years, the super busy, the war years. Um, and one thing I, and you just touched on, I'll never forget is, no matter how bad it looked, I would look at the chief and he would, a lot of the chiefs be standing there, you know, and back then they'd be ripping a butt. Yeah. yeah. It was like a Sunday stroll to them. Yeah. So, and you remember uh, all the cities had, had so many vacants. Yeah. So sometimes I would say, Jesus, this is like the third time we've been in this building. Right. But I said, hey, you know, that guy out front knows what he's doing. So I've always remembered that. And um, as you guys know, going from the company to the car, as we call it, it's, it's such a difference. So the story I wanted to tell you earlier was I had probably been a chief like two weeks and, we, and uh, we get a fire first due basement fire and I get out the car and I was carrying like this baby Halligan. You've probably <laughs> seen them, the little shoulder baby. Oh, I know. Yeah. Yeah. And the guy, the guy who's driving me that day, old old timer, Vietnam guy, says, "Hey, what the fuck you doing? <laughs> right. right? It's not your job anymore. Right. Throw that tool in the trash and do your job. Right. So for that fire, I was like humbled, but on the ride back, I was like, uh, his name was Chico. I can't remember his real name, and I says, you know something? I'm glad you did that because now I have to change that mindset." It's no longer, you know, balls to the wall, run the line up there or do whatever. Now you got to step back and, and um, be the manager, we'll call it, you know, um, control the aggression of the young guys. So, you know, and, and even to this day, like I was looking at pitches to the fire you had yesterday, I believe. Mm -hmm. I was looking at it earlier. I always, I like, doesn't matter where it's at. I watch the videos, maybe listen for a little bit mm -hmm. and, and try to see, hey, mm, I wonder why that chief made that call and what would I have done similar or 
to to our resources, what would I have done different? Hmm. You know, I, I believe you should learn your whole career. Oh, and yeah. When you don't, you yeah. don't want to learn anymore, then it's time to put your papers in. My my lieutenant, Dennis Calpe, was in 17 truck here, 20 years. And, Eric, you get this. And I'm sure, Tony, you get this, too. Like, 20 years to me were guys were like, they were like gods. You know, especially <laughs> they had warriors, you know. And I was like a probie, and I'm sitting at the house watch, and he comes out, and he said something in effect like he goes, the first 10 went fast, the second 10 flew by. Yeah. And he wound up doing about 40 years. He was a battalion chief in the 11th battalion, but he was a captain 26 truck. But he said to me, he says, the day you stop learning, forget about it. Just you're, you're done. And I was like, wow, this guy's telling me that he's still learning, and he's, uh, you know, 20-year – lieutenant in 17 truck so i i always say that tony i mean as far as you you know washington dc and is like eric's experience my experience like how did you feel going from captain to battalion chief i mean did, was it the transition easy or was it a little bit of a uncomfortable transition? No, definitely we don't have we didn't have a uh we don't i don't know if they do now but we didn't have a um an officer development program for that, you know, so it definitely was just OJT and uh, watching. There was, there was, you had to go ride with a battalion. You know, you went and rode with them for a couple of, for, I don't know, for, I don't know how many hours it was. I think it's a little more formalized now, but you had to go do some ride alongs. And, you know, you, that was just luck of the draw if you got an incident or not. Um, so, you know, then, then I do remember the, the deputy, the shift commander, he did like a checkoff to make sure he asked some questions. He asked, you know, some like uh, leave questions. If somebody calls in for emergency leave, um, somebody goes sick, things like that. And then we got into a little bit of, uh, of uh, scenarios um, to, to make sure we checked off to be an acting battalion. And then, you know, of course, we had the test for that. But it definitely was, um, you know, hey, you're you're a captain here today, and, and in three days you're going to come back and you'll be a chief. I, I mean, I was fortunate that I had um, some good aides, right? The the drivers there were had been in the position for a little while and could kind of help with some of the admin stuff. And then, you know, hey, look, this is what we did on the on the on the last fire. So that was really other, otherwise the mentoring thing. I definitely had some. Uh, people that I looked up to and, you know, I, I, that's who I wanted to be like, I wanted to emulate them, you know? And, um, that was, that was kind of our process, but I was lucky to have, you know, a good aide there. And, um, this, I went to another battalion, I got transferred to another battalion and that one was, uh, he was a good aide. He, he wasn't permanent in the job. So he was kind of, you know, he wasn't, he was, he knew he wasn't going to stay there. So he didn't really get into it. But then, um, I then I had a young aide. Uh, there was one aide that I had who um, he wasn't going to go in the fire with me. <laughs> it was it was odd. <laughs> he he helped me get dressed, but he wasn't going in. <laughs> yeah, we have them. We all have them. We all have them. So yeah, you know, let me ask you, Tony, because I I was <laughs> down there once, and I swore I saw two chiefs getting out of the SUV, and I really wanted to stick around and ask questions. But my wife was like, ah, oh, can we go? Can't we go anywhere without stopping at a firehouse or something? Is that like an official? Like, did you guys have an official like ride along mentoring program? Yeah. I mean, yes. Yeah. So if once you're once you're a captain, then they'll say, hey, it's your, you're, you're up. You're going to go get turned over to be an acting chief. And there would be, you know, um, again, I don't know how many hours it was, how many days we went to ride along. And, um, you know, do, you did some admin stuff with him so he could teach you that. And then, um, you know, you hoped that there was going to be some incidents. Most of the time, you know, it was daytime, 07 to 1900. You would go over and ride with the chief for a while. And I, I want to say it was uh, 48 hours. So what would that be? Four days, four days of four 12-hour shifts. Okay. But it, it might be more. Okay. So I, I found myself – the transition from being a firefighter to a lieutenant was tough because, like Eric said, you know, I remember um, I, I was at a fire once, and um, I think I went to force the door, and uh, 
27 truck wasn't too happy about it. You know, they're like, they basically ripped the tool out of my hands, you know? So, um, but you know, we, we always want to be, you know, the Halligan and we want to force the door, whatever. But, um, it's the same with being from a captain to a, a chief. And one thing I think, you know, I'm going to try to build this like mindset of what the chief is all about is that you really need to have that 10,000 foot level view of the fire because you know there's certain people on a fire that have to have that tunnel vision the nozzle firefighter the roof firefighter the irons the can they you know they all have to the nozzle has to worry about putting the fire out the chauffeur has to supply the water he's got one job you know the officer has to have a little bit of a bigger picture he's got to see what's going on with his guys or firefighters but the chief has to see the whole picture you know and uh I'll tell you a story one time. I was a captain, <clears throat> and the first two battalion chief was a good friend of mine. He was We were firemen together in, in the same area. And um, the, the fire didn't go really well. It, a lot of things went wrong, and you know. But anyway, one thing that he did wrong <clears throat> is that he, um, he followed me into the building, you know. And I look at him, and I'm like, Bobby, you sure you want to, you know. But he followed me right up to the fire floor, you know. And what happened was <clears throat> there was no one in front of the building. And the engine company went in and they went the wrong direction. And they were giving reports that the fire was knocked down. And meanwhile, the fire is still blowing out like four windows <laughs> on the other side. But he's next to me, so he can't verify it, you know. And I think it wasn't until the deputy showed up. He's like, guys, you know, <laughs> you still got fire at like four windows. So that chief really needs is i know we all want to be in there but you know you as a chief you really have to learn to delegate things you know that's why in new york we have this all hands chief like last night i was the roof sector right you know i came in on the second alarm i went right to the roof and you know what the chief needs the incident commander needs is he needs information because we're using our experience and we're trying to see if it's matching what what the story's being told like like i tell guys if you're up on the roof just tell me what you have right if you cut a hole and there's smoke in a cock loft just say you have smoke in a cock loft don't tell me there's fire in a cock loft you know just tell me what you see so i could take the information based on what i see and try try to make a good decision eric what do you think about that as delegating information yeah it's so key now like um like, you know, if we get a box, we still strike boxes here and we go out the door. I always tell my aide, we don't have water, we don't have ladders. If we pull up first and Miss Johnson screaming their baby, it isn't me going in the building. So let's calm down. You drive and you can start like, do I know the street? Do I know the building? What type of buildings are on there? And then, you know, I try to, if... If I can, I try to drive by the building to see three sides. Usually I can't. I walk by and then you step back. And um, I work with a deputy Dunbar that would like kind of position himself after he got his um, three sides and he would send the aid. You know, he'd have an aid. And one thing that kind of now I see a lot of chiefs bouncing around. Do, do you know what I mean? It's like. That's not your job. Your job is to collect info. Uh, we have the drones now. The, um, drones have, can give you valuable information from the roof sector. Um, you have to change your mindset to remember that they're now paying you for this and not for your muscles. But, we, you know, we, we all came up, do something, do something, do something. <clears throat> but then you got to realize you're supposed to be the rock and everybody looks for you. And um, I, I'm sure you guys have heard of Leo Stapleton, former commissioner. So love the guy, God rest his soul. And we played golf on Tuesdays. And when I first got promoted, I said, hey, chief, uh, you got any advice for a new Johnny cake, you know? And he says, when you turn the corner, come down the street, no matter what happens, no matter what you see, people jumping, screaming. And, you know, nowadays with the cell phones, mm -hmm. take a deep breath 
and act like you've been there before. Right. Because if you lose your composure, yeah, they'll talk about you at your retirement party. <laughs> so I, I try to get into that mindset that um, as I'm going there, you know, I'm in uh, pressing myself. I, uh, my mother's got like five scanners, so I know she's listening. <laughs> That's when I go like, hey, calm down. Make sure you do your job. <clears throat> Nobody gets hurt. Uh, we all go home, but you also have to hold the company officers accountable. Yeah. Um, a pet peeve of mine is freelance, and it, and it drives me absolutely crazy. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I you know, it took, I, I would say I was a chief five years before I felt comfortable. Mm. The truth is, before then, I was sort of like, because my dad was on the job, so he was pushing me to study before he retired. But in hindsight, I wish I kind of waited a little longer um, because it took a few years to stop like, oh, you got to do something, you got to do something, you got to do something. Instead of like, you're the manager, you're the coach. Um, You know, you're the Bill Belichick of the fire ground. I hate to say that term, but... um, I just kind of wish we would do a little more mentoring. And when and when I watch things around, it seems like other departments take it a, a little bit more serious. Um, hmm. Especially now you think about it. And, and I think I was, I was telling you, Dan, so my wife owns property in the Bronx. Mm-hmm. I stopped in the Dunks once. It was uh, Ladder 39, the only tiller in the Bronx. Yeah, about the guy's coffee, and I'm shooting. I'm shooting the shit with him, and I'm like, "Holy shit! They're one in five, and combined, they got like 25 years on the job." Yeah, <laughs> you know, the lieutenant's like 30 plus years. What are you still doing on the job? And I was kind of like, it kind of like blew me away. Mm. And and um, unfortunately, you know, times have changed. Cities have changed. Um, gentrification's crazy. The, the actual experience, I, I think that 60s to mid-80s will never happen again, in my opinion. Right. Well, so how do you counteract that? Right. You should, like, dissect significant fires, um, do ride-alongs like D.C. Maybe one thing we used to do here before my time is we had a SS car, we called it, special service. Mm-hmm. And all brand new chiefs went in that car for at least a year. Okay. Wow. You weren't allowed to get a spot. Yeah. Okay. Makes sense. And, and after a year, then they would move you on and the newest guy would come. Because, um, you know, it's like the administration part. Um, most big cities aren't what they were even 20 years ago. So how do you counteract the lack of work other than training or, or, or uh, post-incident analysis, not a critique, you know, like right. hey, what worked right, what didn't. Yeah. Um, as you know here, we got a lot of those three-decker wood frame rear porches. We get them all the time. Yeah. And sometimes guys, like our thing is run big lines to the rear porches. So if you're first through, you're kind of out the game, but it is important. You're knocking down, you don't get the whole block. And sometimes you have to remind because guys want to get in. So they run the little line, hoping to hit it a little and run in the building. So I, I think what, for us, you know, we call ourselves districts here. It's imperative for the district chief to implore to the offices. There's, there's a method to the madness. You know, um, and the last thing for you is I was riding with, uh, you'll like this, I was riding with Ladder 30, uh, Keith Nicaello. Nick, yep. Yeah. And there was uh, all hands somewhere. But what really impressed me was no freelancing. Right. We're, yeah, we're good at that. You know, we all follow the script. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Tony, how do you feel about that? How how do you work with your officers and whatnot? Like, yeah, I I, th- I think go back to um, 
I'll go back. I'm going to go back and touch on what you talked about um, with the question about information, right? I think that um, one of the things I can do, I can do it right now, right? I could write down, I could write down what I expect them to say and what I would expect to say if I, if I had a if the address came up right now. I know I could predict. Again, if it was if the fire was going to go out, this is how it would go, right? I can predict that if it's a fire on the first floor, this is what they're going to say. This is what I would say, which I think we need to do that because that's when when somebody says something out of the ordinary, that's when the red flag comes up. Right. And it should kind of it should kind of set something. Hey, hey, that that's not what he's supposed to say. And I'm, I'm not saying that. Well, yeah, it wasn't what you're supposed to say, but obviously he's seeing something that's out of the ordinary. So that that information, I think, like you talked about, it's so important that that we get good information from the guys that are in there so we can prepare right for uh, something out of the ordinary or we know it's going it's going right. And now we know, all right, now it's time to call the air unit or call the investigators or call for the, you know, whatever. But I think that that information and the only way to really get that is to is to sit down and talk to them. Right. I, I see a lot of a lot of chiefs. I'm, I remember I was a, I was a safety officer in a firehouse and um, I was, I was in the safety battalion, but the, the local battalion would come by and, and he, he would call on the phone. He would park out front. He would have his aide bring the mail in and then he would call on the phone and talk to the officer and, and converse instead of getting out of the car right. and coming in and talking to him, you know? So, so there's that, there's no line of communication there. Right. So, I mean, I think by by me getting out and knowing him and I had I had uh, I had a I, when I retired, I had a, a great a bunch, great bunch of officers and and they were they were all firefighters. And again, I mean, I, I would it, most of the time it was right. One engine and one truck would put the fire out and 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 they they would they would do exactly they would say the, the right things. They, they knew what to do. And they only knew that because, you know, we got together and talked about that stuff. They didn't get it out of the book. I mean, the book says, you know, you're supposed to give reports, but only by me, only by me sitting down and, and doing what if, you know, we're going to do a what if and um, making sure that they did that. Now, um, I do believe, I, I mean, we, we had some really good SOGs in, um, in D.C. We were very SOG driven. And like I said, like I can I could write right now or or I could say if, if, if I had a box alarm come out that uh, and I knew the companies, I could I could I could go ahead and assign the companies on, you know, on my command sheet because the guidelines say this is where they're supposed to go. And knowing the officers that are coming, they're going to be going to those those places. So um, that kind of changed as 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 I was right before I was leaving, we um we had some bad fire truck accidents and uh, the boss felt that we were getting there. It was, it was about speed, right? Everybody was racing to get there. And that was the contributing factor to the, um, to the accidents was that they were going too fast because they wanted to get to the fire. So they tried to slow everybody down by staging units two blocks out. So um, it became a little different then. And, you know, now they want to now they want the uh, first arriving officer to be in command. And um, as much as I can see that maybe in a place that's, you know, it's, it's going to be a long time before the chief gets there. Our chiefs were there really quick. Yes. And the only job, the only job that chief had was to be in command. He didn't have to drive the car. All he had to do was sit there and listen and command the fire. So I, I think that. Um, you know, again, those guidelines, but you got to set yourself up for success by teaching, talking to your people and, and letting them know what your expectations are. And then they they say what they expect out of you, too. Yeah. So, so I want to touch on something Eric said. So I feel like the same way. You got to be a bit of a spark or a buff or whatever. You want to I remember when I was in 41, you know, they would call us buffs and we would just say we're into our profession. You know, that was, uh, <laughs> that was our answer. But. You know, I have a routine. I'm, I'm in my office. I have my scanner. And, you know, we do it different than Boston. We only have uh, one one channel for the borough, and then we have the handy talkies, you know. 
And last night, <clears throat> you know, I know my district too. I I've been in the Bronx for 37 years, and I you could give me an address, and I I have a really kind of fairly good idea what the building's going to look like, you know, and I know how the fire is going to behave. And last night we get this. Um, I wasn't sure if I was going to be the second chief or the third chief on this one, but you know what I've learned about um, listening to the radio, right? Is that it's not what they say sometimes, it's how they say it and how fast they say it. Like I'll give an example. Last night I heard the 18th Battalion, Pete Robb, great chief. Uh, he ran that whole fire. And uh, I'm telling you, he had a lot going on. And he's a battalion chief. He's got my time on a job. But um, when he said, we're using all hands on arrival, it was the his voice was at a higher level. And it wasn't screaming. You know what I mean? There's a difference between screaming and and that urgency, you know. And I look at my aide and I'm like, this is going a second. So we got another box for, for a valve alarm or something. And... They gave up. I hear him in the background, transmit the second alarm. And I, I get on the radio. I said, Battalion 3 to Bronx. I said, take me off that, that valve alarm. I'm, I'm, all right, Chief, take it in. You know, and I got there. I was on my way there anyway. So what my point is, it, it helps to be a little bit of a buff or a spark to be a good officer because it's all about information. And I, I've, I've had so many advantages sitting in my office, listening to the scanner, hearing things going on knowing how things are going. I already know what the building looks like. I don't need to watch Citizen App or videos. I know the buildings. Yeah. Like yesterday was a six-story H. That textbook, firing a cock loft, I know exactly what's happening. You know, just like your triple deckies, and I'm sure your old houses in Bolton, D.C. You know exactly how the fires behaves. You know, you get your brownstones. You got brownstones. I got brownstones. We know what to look for. We know where the pitfalls are. We know where the traps are. <clears throat> so um, it's all about information. So to touch on what Eric said, what I do at the beginning of the tour, I like to see who's my roster, who's working, the officers. Like I had a guy, you know, you get a guy like Steve Luisi who had 40-something years on the job. He's been a captain for 20 years. And he gives me a report that he's got food on the stove. I don't have to ask another question, you know. You might get a kid that's got like six years on the job and he came from who knows where and he <laughs> gives you a report. You might have to dig a little deeper, you know. So I think you have to know your personnel. I think being a chief, you know, you have to get all this information, man. You got to you got to see what the building's all about. You got to see what the the weather is even. You got to know who's working. You got to know your personnel. And you got to be listening to that radio, you know. Oh. Yeah, it's funny because um, for a long time, I would be out to like midnight or one o'clock just driving around. Yeah. So when I left the South End, which is where, where all the like brownstones were, I had difficulty finding an aide. You know, they were like, oh, this freaking guy's out to the wee <laughs> hours in the morning, you know. But it's so true what you just said about knowing your personnel. Like I have a lieutenant and, and he's uh, actually a good friend of mine. Bo Claiborne is fire could be rolling over his head and he'd be like, eh, we'll get water. Don't worry about it. Yeah. And then you have other guys that their natural personality is a little bit high strung. So they're kind of like, they tend to, Oh, we got fire everywhere. And you kind of like, you got to learn your, your personnel to gauge where like, okay, this guy calls a mattress heavy fire. Right. This guy wouldn't tell you if his ass was on fire. You know what I mean? <laughs> so you, you got to kind of like balance the thing. But I, right. I believe like the worst thing a chief could do is hide in the office. Um, not get out, know your district, don't know your personnel. Everyone's department's getting younger and younger and younger. I mean, a kid this morning was like, oh, my God, you wore a rubber coat. and And it was like. I, I I drove home like this freaking prick. <laughs> like he couldn't believe I wore rubber coats on the job, you know. But I, I um <clears throat> I do I agree with you, Dan. You got to know your people. You got to know your district. Um, and the way I look at it is like um 
Like I'm not on the fire department for the part part time hours to bang nails. Right. Like when when I go to work, I'm like, hey, if we're up all night, I got tomorrow to sleep it off. Right. Like this is what I wanted since a kid. So take it serious, you know. Uh, and I, I feel like sometimes that firehouse pressure to not be sparky or not to um, be into the job. Right. Um, you know, that can be very impressionable for these young kids in their 20s coming on. And I feel lucky that when I came on, I was a young punk. But I was on a group where the guy stayed up to after midnight just talking about the job. Yeah. And, you know, I don't know how like you, your guys' departments do it, but we start acting, you like bounce around the city. And I would go places where like it would it would be supper, warm cookies and milk in bed. And I would be like and, I, and it would blow my mind like 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 what the it's nine o'clock or you're in bed. So like and, and real quick and I don't wanna cause I could blow VA Bell fires. So the first time I was at Ladder 30, they had a probie. Yeah. So they said, hey, we're going to, let's go out. We're taking them out to a vacant somewhere in Harlem, right? They had them pulling the plat, Latin plaster, doing this. Then they got to run. So they run out, go on the run. And when we when they cleared the run, they went back to the vacant and kept drilling. Mm -hmm. And then went back to the firehouse and made supper. So I, that that was very impressive, and I so as a at that time I think I was a fireman or a lieutenant. Mm -hmm. I made sure that every day that the guys under me were doing something, if it's even if it's just a walkthrough, mm -hmm. and you know like a pre-fire. Yeah, I, I was impressed in that, and I was kind of like, wow, it's like seven thirty at night, and they're drilling a probie instead of like worrying about supper. You know what I mean? Right. And I'll never forget that. And um, I thank Keith for that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I know Nick very well. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, what about you, Tony? What do you think? No, I, I think I, like I mentioned before is that it, you got to know those guys. You got to, you got to spend time. I remember um, a couple, we talk about a couple of mentors and even guys you look up to. I, you know, in, in, um, and in, in, uh, some of the firehouses, we would have just the dispatch speaker, right? You wouldn't have the chatter for the, you know, uh, units going out on local alarms or you would have alternate channels. So you would just hear, you would just hear the uh, dispatcher. And, uh, I, before they started, I was, before they started putting two chiefs on boxes, the second chief would come on a work and fire dispatch. And I remember being in some firehouses. I was at the hazmat for a while and, and uh, there was a chief in that house and a great, I mean, really solid chief. His aide was good. And I remember being downstairs. I think we were out after dinner smoking a cigar. And the chief is coming down, sliding down the pole. Here comes his aide. He's like, they got a box over here. You know, and he was, they were take. they weren't even on it. Right. They were, they were going to be on it if they went to a work and fire, but they went ahead and got on the, got on the air, started that way. I worked, um, I was the aide for, uh, a year or so before I got promoted uh, to lieutenant and I drove again, another solid, solid chief. And um, he would do that. He, we would, we would squirrel. We call it squirrel. We would, we would squirrel some boxes as a, uh, again, we knew we were going to be the, the second chief on the work and fire, but because we were, you know, we, we wanted to go, we would, we would go early before they, they hit the alarm. And <laughs> again, it was right. That sets something up that that's kind of shows, everybody that you're into the job. I mean, I, you know, I remember chiefs growing up when I was, when I was appointed that you wouldn't see except for, you know, for, for meals, they would, they would stay in their office, come out for runs or they'd come out for meals. And uh, that wasn't going to be me, you know, and whether it was go to the firehouse, have coffee or go to the firehouse and, and participate in their drill. I mean, yeah, I, I think, uh, <laughs> What and and again, is that Buffy? I mean, whatever, right? If that's what it is, fine. I'm it is cool what with it is. that. Yeah. I like yeah. it. I still, hey, totally. I'm still, you know, I still got scanner on now for uh, yeah. for you know <laughs> listening to 
to runs because I want to hear what people are saying. Yeah, it's fun, right? It's fun. Well, let me ask you this, guys, because um, um, I, I can be gruff, and I always comment that I hate breaking in a new officer. How did you guys deal with a new officer under your command to stress what you wanted? Yeah, I, I go through this a lot, Eric. <laughs> I go through this a lot. Um, there's, there's some kind of thing going on in my borough where, like, it's been so long since I've been a firefighter, so it's hard for me to remember. But I remember because uh, I've been a, I've been a chief and an officer since 1995. So I kind of forget a little bit, but I know that um, what I want to see. And I tell all my officers this, right? If we get a phone alarm for a fire or smoke, I don't want the second truck sitting on the rig. I want them next to me. Because I had one the other night, and it kind of ties into what I kind of was going to talk about a little bit about personnel. <clears throat> These guys did a great job. And it's nothing that anyone would ever hear about because we kind of stomped it out quick, you know? And it had the potential to be like a, a fifth alarm. But what happened was we got a, a call for a, an, uh, just an odor of smoke on the corner. Then we got an address. And then I heard, um, let's see, um, that was an oil burner. So then I, uh, it didn't feel right. But the long, the long and the short of it was that one of the firefighters went to the right position and he was able to see the fire on the other roof on the other building. So we wound up knocking it out with two cans, pulling the ceilings and no extension. But if he didn't go to his position, so, you know, we probably would have came back at 2 in the morning for probably fire through the roof. But the point is, when I got back to the fire, I made sure in front of everybody, I told that kid what a great job he did. And I told the deputy the next time he, or the borough command, I said, you know, these guys did a great job there, and you're not going to read about this on the news because, you know, it was it was one and two, you know. But um, part of that was I was annoyed with the second truck because they were still sitting on the rig. They should have found it. So that's kind of – that's my battle is that, you know, guys feel like they're, they're stepping on each other's toes. Like, you know, they don't want to encroach and insult. I said, it's not, you're not insulting anybody. You're, you're next to me. It's my orders. You, I want you here next to me in case I need you, you know. I, again, I, I haven't had the, the years you guys had it in uh, in battalions. So so I never – I didn't have very many opportunities to get new officers. Fortunately, when I did get a new officer, right, they were in a double house, and the officer on the other rig was, uh, was, a, senior, was a little more senior and could kind of uh, – you know, I've been with him for a little bit so he can articulate my expectations, also articulate, you know, what worked for him over over time. Um, but I mean, I, I think that that, um, yeah, again, get out. Right. You got to get out. And and I, I'd like to see I'd like to see the <laughs> company, some multi-company uh, training so that um, they can see the interaction between other companies in the battalion. Um, we, you know, we were fortunate enough to be able to use some weekends and stuff like that to, to get down to the Academy. It wasn't that far for us, uh, to be, be out oh, yeah. of the, out of the area and do some multi-companies to try and try and put them in a, in as close to a real situation as possible. Okay. Well, the one other thing I do, Eric, in answer to your question, because I've seen the transformation going from vacant to rehab to occupy, you know, I've seen the whole life cycle of all these buildings. And I get offices and I try to see, I feel them out. We, we do this. We talk about this in the IMT, about this kind of sniffing out stage, you know, where, where'd you work? You know, where are you from? <laughs> you know, back guys, the baseball we're, guy. we're all alpha, you know? Yeah. And, you know, if a guy tells me he worked in another borough, I try to impress upon him about the buildings, the construction, the dangers, the, the vacants that are now rehabs that have cockloaths on every floor or they got 
apartments that have duplexes or chopped up in half and, you know, just expect the unexpected. So I think what I like to uh, feel them out, see how much time they have on the job, try to mentor them a little bit. And uh, in a polite way, try to get my like last night. I did it last night. I, I did a critique on a fire and I did it in a way where it wasn't like I'm the know it all. But like just kind of asking those guys questions, you know, about the inverted roof or the, the wing stand. Yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, I, I want to build I want to build their knowledge base, you know, because the Bronx is. It's a different type of place. The Harlem, too. Harlem and the Bronx are very similar. You know, we have the same types of buildings. We have those big age types, the big tenements, you know. And um, they're mm-hmm. dangerous, you know. Brannigan says when the fire gets in the voids, it can break out with lightning speed and kill more firefighters and collapse. That's a quote from Brannigan. Yeah. You know, yeah. You know uh, that's my biggest concern. Yeah, I'm, I'm like full of stories, you know, and um, I think about like, like the senior man of my group when I came on, it was a World War II vet. I heard you talking about that. Sunk in the Pacific a couple of times. And I don't know if it's a generational thing, but they were very um, follow the rules. Yeah. Like you had a job. But I try to understand that this new generation is totally different. So I, I try to like encourage them, like, uh, let's talk about fire, the good, the bad. Maybe not like the old chiefs, you know, how the old chiefs, like there was nothing worse than getting the finger, you know? Yeah. You're like, oh, Jesus. <laughs> so I try to be more like a mentor. But I, I'm sure you heard I've been accused of being a dinosaur. Me too. And, and not, not asking for help. Um, but I really try to stress the guys that, like, the job, you know, it could kill you, so you need to take it serious. Um, I, I'm, I'm curious how it is down there because now it seems like – it, it the gentrification is so bad and I, I use the example like how do i say this um so i i'm in like the fire district but yet if i have a run at two in the morning i see college kids jogging in the hood yeah so you could see the like the fire line going so i i try to tell the guys that and, and women that we feel that we have doesn't matter the slowest company on the slowest department is still going to pull out that one day, make a turn and go, holy shit, it's fucking go time. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So why not dissect and try to learn? And the OJT days are gone because we're not that busy. Like some of the young guys don't understand when I'm like, hey, we should get two, three, four fires a tour. They think that's incredible but it was considered slow. You know, I grew up in the city and it was nothing to wake up in the morning and smell that, that, that acrid smell. You know what I'm talking about? Oh yeah. And, and it's, it's weird because it's great for the residents and visitors, but we all want to earn our money too at the same time, you know? Um, and I think like for me, that's why it's like, you know what? See, I, um, on our job, the deputy only goes if it's a, like a high-rise special or you ask for. Mm-hmm. Um, it can be, I'm sure you talked to Steve, it could be a little, it could be a little boring at times. Oh, I can imagine. I know it is. I'm acting deputy a few times, yeah. So, yeah, you know, like, that's why I think um, we all have a place on the job. You know, um, so I'll, I'll stay at my stay in my lane, as we call it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I Steve, even now, like I'll, I'll watch YouTube videos all over the country, try to think how I would do it differently yeah. based on what I get. 
And I'm, I'm getting better at not being critical. Mm, you know? Yeah. yeah, it is. It is. Yeah. You know, yeah, I'm asking you, like, because you see a video and you're like, Jesus Christ, why didn't, not realizing they have a nine-man department. Mm. You know, yeah, that's like, I had to do that the other day. I had to do that uh, with a couple of recordings ago and, and remind Danny, hey, man. Yeah. I know it's tough. We do these drills, and I, I have 75 guys showing up. These guys. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, um, well, you know what? I, I really loved having you on, Eric. It's, we're almost out of time, and I, you know. Yeah, I have no so problem. Much, I have so I much to talk about. for you. We'll we'll um we'll do this again absolutely with the same crew, but um yeah, you know, sure. it's 856. I, I don't wanna, you know, I, I like to keep it to an hour. So um but I really do enjoy uh you and I are very much alike. You know, you talked about knowing your district and um I'm a big, big let's let's give it a takeaway for the for the chiefs yeah, that yeah. are listening to this and let's make today's theme was just like know your district. That's well that's the takeaway today. Get out there. Go in those buildings. Like I don't have to drive into. I I know my buildings pretty well, man. I, I've been I've been there thirty seven years. I've been in the South Bronx for thirty seven years. So it's so it's so imperative that like you should know it. Um, stress like get out there. Like yeah. don't don't be the guy that just sits in the firehouse. Get out there, drive around. Pick an aide that's into the job as well. Yeah. Um, you know, I take notes myself personally. Most people don't know that. Um, if I see a permit, you know, um, hey, we're going to re, uh, model, remodel in this building. Well, I'm going by there all the time, and I'm telling the officers, come on down. Uh, the Patriots game can wait till later. You know what I mean? I'm with you. That was yeah. But I, I appreciate it. Um, anytime, like I said, um, my wife owns property down there. Yeah. It's a dump, but she's not listening. <laughs> well, listen, Eric. I really, we got so much to talk about. We'll be we'll be doing this again, Tony. Sure, any last sure. words? The theme today was any chiefs that are listening that are, you know, want to get a good takeaway from this. We started with know your district. That's the theme of today. Know your response area. Know your building. I can't imagine. Um, you guys, you know, you guys talk about, like, the new <clears throat> generation. Well, everybody, I, yeah, there's a, you've, you've been through so many new generations you guys had to see as chief officers that, um, yeah, I'm, I'm sure you're dealing with different, different dynamics today. But you can't fault a guy for, for being nervous with uh, guys who have been in the Bronx for 30 some years or been a been a division for, you know, for two decades, um, they might be a little nervous, <laughs> but, uh, but they, they definitely got whoever, wherever they are, they got some good mentors and it sounds like all they got to do is ask, right? Because uh, yeah, you're, you get, you're definitely into the job. And if a young guy says he's into the job, he's got you, uh, He's got he's got a fan I, I, from you guys, so I, I don't know. I, I'd be I would be totally humbled and and scared to be working for you as an officer. But um, once once I guess we broke that ice, I, like you said, it would be like, oh, Sheridan's here, uh, Petaway's here. I'm good, right? We 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 we're gonna be good. We're gonna be all right. Let's hope. Let's hope. Yeah. So it's good stuff. All right, guys. Well. Again, I, I can't thank you enough for taking an hour to, to share your experience with uh, the, the country or maybe the world. And um, I hope this, I like this new format.